As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European Edition. Today, Real pack a punch with Jude as they unveil their new stadium. In Italy, special one, bottom three. And we hear about Sarri's middle finger in the Bundesliga. We hail Leverkusen and Union Luzin. And in France, Larry White gets the blues. All those stories and many more coming up in this Totally Football Show. Tuesday, 5th of September, and here in the Totally studio, James Horncastle. Hi, James. Alvaro Romeo. Hola, James. And Julian Laurent. Hi, James. Hi, everyone. At a safe distance, Raphael Honigstein. Hello. All right. We've got a slight delay on Raphael's audio there <laughs> from far away in North London. Raphael, what does your T-shirt say? Um, voting together okay. in German. In Zoo German, German, right. Run DMC yeah, you don't watch. remember that. Um, no, you don't remember that. Uh, this initiative to get people voting at the Euro elections in 2016. They <laughs> handed out shirts to us. Ah. I think we were still in the old Jazz of M studios at the time. Right. Good times. Good times. Nowadays in the exciting Tony Football Show studio here at The Athletic. Available, of course. <laughs> On the Athletics uh, Totally Football Show YouTube channel. A little wave to the camera, Jules, perhaps. A little wink. There you go. Check that out. So much has happened since our last show, of course. Uh, European draws, transfer deadline day, and a full weekend of action. Sorry, I just, I'm just kissing, kissing at the camera. That's all right. Uh, that's what it's there for, Jules. But I'm going to say, let's just get straight to our moment of the weekend. So we've got time for all the good stuff later on. What do you think? James, why don't you begin? Well... Leao's goal at the Stadio Olimpico. I was there and I was in the press stand and the goal was sort of to my left. So it was quite an interesting perspective because Zeki Selic, the Roma wingback, he had his back to us and obviously Leao leans into him like, a, like an Ottoman, if you like. And so you didn't really get to see what he did. You just saw this leg sort of all of a sudden poke out. And the connection just got. Calabria dalla destra, il lungo traverso in arcuato. Leo! 
Rafa Leao un gol pazzesco di Leao che sembrava aver perso la coordinazione invece no essentially it's, it's an overhead kick while sitting down yeah mm. and because it came right after half time the Stadio Olimpico is sold out as it has been for 35 games in a row because that's the enduring Mourinho effect but they're also there to see Romelu Lukaku be presented in this kind of ludicrous presentation before the game for a player who's on loan and when the fans came back out for the second half they were like okay Rome are going to get back into this and that just completely silenced uh, mm. the crowd it was a it was a remarkable goal and yeah Laos first of the season it had been coming and uh, just a reminder of what a talent he is and for all the focus that there has been on AC Milan's business this summer where they've signed 10 players arguably the biggest and best signing was them getting him to commit to a new contract so that's my moment of the weekend very nice too alvaro well my moment of the weekend um is uh, coming in the 93rd minute according to um, the main protagonist of the moment of the weekend which is sergio ramos because sergio ramos is associated in spain to the 93rd minute when he scored that header against atletico de madrid in the champions league final and uh, yes sergio ramos said himself after signing for sevilla for one year, uh, that he signed this contract in the 93rd minute of his career, basically. One year with Sevilla, and Sergio Ramos is back to his old house, 19 years away from it. Mm. He has got his ups and downs with Sevilla fan base, especially with the ultras called the Viris. Uh, but right now, I guess that Sevilla needed a centre-back. Mendilibar wanted a centre-back, and they got probably the best uh, ever Spanish centre-back there. So, wow. you know, Sergio Ramos being back in La Liga in Sevilla is my moment of the weekend. Wow. It's really, it's really cool. cool, to be fair. It, there's not many. Yeah. I mean, Buffon to Parma, maybe yeah. Robin to Groningen, but it's really rare after so long to go mm. back to the club where you made your debut. It's really, uh, I think it's, it's really cool. Especially if uh, your president, your new president, Pepe Castro, and the uh, sporting director, Victor Horta, said uh, two weeks ago, that they didn't want Sergio Ramos. Oh, yeah. what changed their mind? Uh, the fact that they couldn't find another centre-back. Big bottom of the table focused their uh, well, attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't help either. Yeah, so I think that they we probably have to give some explanations about uh, why they changed their mind. Uh, but, you know, you know, I think that it, this is overall good for Sevilla. Okay, Jules. I would have to take you to Sunday night and the third minute of the Lyon-PSG game where Lyon were already 1-0 down after... Manuel Ugarte got the ball off Tolisso, then fouled him in the box. Kylian Mbappe scored the penalty. And then the, uh, the night, who a lot of Lyon fans uh, and Laurent Blanc, of course, the manager, the people at the, the club, John Texter, the owner and the players, were hoping that could finally kickstart the season somehow. Turned into an absolute nightmare three minutes in. And then later, we'll talk about what the, uh, the capo of the Ultras did at the end, which is something that I don't think even in Italy or in Germany we've seen before. But already at the start of the game, it was a nightmare before it almost hadn't started. Good Lord. Rafa. Um, James, moment <laughs> of the weekend. <laughs> oh, good. Has to be, has sorry to be. To, sorry to, to spring be. that on yes. you, Rafa. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready. Uh, I know you'd like to... Uh, you know, have a bit of delayed gratification until I uh, reveal <laughs> mm. what um, what Not it on is. camera, Raf, please. It, it's <laughs> it's uh, Friday night, James, at Siebenerstrasse. It's nearly six o'clock. Bayern are waiting for a call from Fulham. João Paulinha has done all sorts of shoots, holding up the Bayern shirt, doing a video. Bayern have the press release ready. But Fulham never call. 
and he has to be sent back on a plane to London. And meanwhile, the team and Tuchel are already on their way to the away game in Gladbach and they hear the news midair. And according to Thomas Müller, Tuchel, he suspects, then bit into the seat of the plane in frustration. <laughs> but it's mere conjecture on behalf of Thomas Müller. But I'm sure that uh, Thomas Tuchel did not enjoy enjoyed it. Bayern ended up, as you know, not just without Jao Polinia, but also without a centre-back or right-back replacement for Benjamin Pavard. And they go into the first half of the season short in some key areas. And it's a deadline day disaster that no one's ever seen from a Bavarian point of view because they used to be known for doing their business early and very diligently. Not this year. Raf, I think I saw something. Do they really have only like 23 players in that first team squad, which is the, the smallest of maybe the whole of Bundesliga or something like that? Yeah, I think Tuchel counted 18 senior players. I don't know where you draw the line with some of them. But yeah, it is very small. Three defensive midfielders. Four if you count Muziala, but then, you know, he also wants to play somewhere else. And uh, only three centre-backs, which when you play a back four is, is not a lot. Indeed not. I remember these things tend to involve Fulham. Like, I remember Martin Stecklenburg going from Roma to Fulham and whilst he was in the air on his flight uh, the deal fell through and so he had to come back do you remember what wasn't Dimitar Berbatov expected at Fiorentina's uh, oh, yeah. airport and then hijacked got, hijacked yeah literally hijacked yeah <laughs> Half, halfway through the flight yeah wow uh, well it sounds like there's a lot for us to discuss and plenty of other stories as well we'll begin uh, we'll switch our Euro League randomizer and see oh yeah City Air where for the first time in a year, Napoli are not top. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Napoli facing Lazio this weekend. Lazio were winless in the bottom three. They just got beaten by a promoted side and they were facing the champions who were off to a pretty perfect start under their new coach, Rudy Garcia. And then what happened? Well, they lost, James, and they deserve to lose, particularly on the balance of play in the second half. I think Rudy Garcia felt that you know, the opening goal, it was the first chance of the game that Lazio had managed to construct and came against the run of play. But they kind of... What a goal, though, James. Beautiful goal. And Luis Alberto's involvement in both of uh, Lazio's two uh, was really quite special because the first one is a is a nonchalant little back heel at the near post. Should have been picked up by Anguissa, somebody. And then the second one involves him sort of dummying the ball, letting it run through oh, his legs lovely. to Kamada uh, for Kamada's first goal. Kamada, who was signed to replace Milinkovic Savic, completely different player. And so let's play a little bit differently uh, from last year. But I was pretty disappointed with Garcia because afterwards he came out with this comment where he said, you know, what my players need to learn is that if they can't win the game, they can't lose it either. And it's like, hang on a minute, Rudy. These guys won the league. Mm. 
only a few months what, what ago. What does that mean? If you can't win the game, you, you can well, yeah, draw, draw the game. Yeah, so oh, the draw. second, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. So it could be a 1-1, one, one, basically, because once Zielinski has scored and make it 1-1, right. one, one, just don't... Yeah, so yeah. He, he treated them as naive mm. when, as we know, these guys made history um, in June. Well, actually early, because they won the league with five games to spare. And it was just the latest thing from him where you're just like... Ugh. Like, for example, Giovanni Di Lorenzo is the captain has been magnificent uh, for his club over the last two years. And he was just asked about the captain's armband and he was like, well, usually, you know, I like to have a think about these sort of things and put it to the group. And yeah, I know Di Lorenzo's got the captain's armband. I suppose we'll go with that. And it's like, come on, man. Like, mm. In other respects, though, Garcia had been reasonably faithful to the, 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 the Spalletti to, team. Yeah, I, I think that the other thing to consider is that he keeps playing Juan Jesus Kim was replaced by a, a young Brazilian centre back called Natan from Red's, Red Bull Bragantino, and he's so yet far to we've feature. seen nothing of him. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, and I think that's something he's going to have to work on during this international break. Um, it's nothing necessarily against Juan Jesus, but Napoli lack that kind of the centre back who can really build from the back. Um, and you know, as much as people have been impressed by them in the first couple of weeks of the season, I think there are tendencies that were there last season, which aren't there this season. Okay. They also lost this fixture last season. They did. Under Spalletti. What about Sarri? Well, when Sarri touched down in Naples, um, he was abused by a passerby and responded by giving him the middle finger. <laughs> nice. Which was interpreted locally as him giving a f the middle finger to Naples. And then he had to get Lazio's club channels to put out a tweet saying it was not uh, that. He was just insulted. Um, but he said what I kind of feel about this Napoli team, which they are different from last year, in that they, they're not as compact as, as they were. Remember, the kind of symbol of Napoli last year was when they gave away um, the ball on an attacking corner in Reggio Emilia against Sassuolo, and all, 11 all 10 outfield players rushed back and win the ball. They haven't been doing that at all this year. And OK, it's still August, but I think that's something that Garcia has to change. And, you know, on the bounce of play in the second half, Lazio mm. deserved the win. Two and goals disallowed, both with involvement from uh, Guendouzi. Who, yeah. Uh, mm. yeah, made a really, really good impression. Uh, he came on and, yeah, he was a ball winner, was able to start the transitions that Napoli were playing because it's unusual, sorry, Lazio were playing. I mean, it's unusual for a Sarri team to have less of the ball than their opponent. But that's that's often been something that's happened when they played either Spanetti's Napoli or Garcia's Napoli. And, and Guendouzi was just there to break things up, drive forward. His disallowed goal was beautiful, uh, sort of top, top corner curler. And uh, Sarri was really excited by him afterwards and yeah he's he always talks down players who are signed he's like oh, i haven't had them for pre-season we're playing every three days never gonna get get them up to speed but with guendouzi he was like this guy has done a pre-season with marseille i think he maybe played a, a part in 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 one or two of their games in liga so comes in ready and and yeah um so i mean lazio were unlucky to have lost their first two games yeah they're in the lead against lecce uh, and, and capitulated, uh, and particularly against Genoa, they didn't deserve to lose that game. So they were much better than the, the table made them look. All right. Well, they climb out of the bottom three, but who's this dropping into it? Hello, it's their neighbours, Roma. <laughs> now in the bottom three after Friday night's defeat that you mentioned before at home to Milan. James, you were there. I was. It's a sort of ludicrous occasion, really. Um, I, I mean, I, I've never... 
I've never seen a fan base get so excited by someone who's on loan. Roma are always a club that, uh, yeah, but certainly in the past, they, they would say don't get attached to players in the modern age. And Lukaku, even if you have him on a permanent basis, you shouldn't get attached to him because he'll find a way to leave you anyway. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, find it, I find it a little bit ludicrous. Okay, well, uh, things got underway with uh, Loftus-Cheek winning a penalty, which Olivier Giroud converted. Then there was the fabulous uh, Liao goal. And then uh, Fakar Tomori got a red card an hour in. Remember, with a man advantage, then bringing on Lukaku for the last 20 minutes. Did they improve with the big fella? He made an instant impact. I mean, again, he was on the sideline for about two minutes waiting to come on. And he was barking out orders to his new teammates and telling them to get forward, which I was kind of like, he wasn't going in on the tips of his toes, um, if you like. He had, a, he had a shot immediately, but I think they defended him pretty well. I mean, it's... There'd been these rumours on the grapevine that he had 20 minutes in him, which was a bit of a surprise in itself, considering he'd had no preseason, not played at all in a friendly. He'd had, I think, very few training sessions with Roma. Um, but you could see you know, they, they didn't really have a focal point uh, up until that point. But at the same time, on, on watching the first half, first hour, you're like, even with Lukaku in this team, the way Roma were getting service to Belotti or not getting service to him, you're like, it's actually going to be pretty tough for a striker in this team when all you're doing is having centre-backs launch it. Mm. And But that's yeah. what they're going to do even more with Lukaku, right? Because he's... I would think so. Um, that's not really going to help him either. No. And I think Roma have quite a lot of quality to be able to do more in possession. You know, when you've got uh, the likes of Paolo Dybala, who, to be frank, wasn't fit for the game on Friday. But you've got Lorenzo Pellegrini, mm. you've got Awa, Spinazzola, Spinazzola, uh, Cristante even. You've got players who who can pass, can help you sustain possession in the final third and they just don't seem to have any patterns mm. of play. Yeah. In Remind me, who's, who's the manager again? <laughs> oh, Jose Mourinho. Jose. Now, so far, uh, Jose's been the Teflon one uh, yeah. there in, in the uh, Eternal City. Is there any sense that that could start to change? I mean, it's early, but they are in the bottom three. They have made big signings, or mm. a big signing in Lukaku. Well, I mean, he's in the last year of his contract, and at the moment there's, there's no news on him signing a new one. I think it was quite interesting being at the stadium uh, because there was a lot of enthusiasm. Again, as I, as I said, another sellout. Um, the players weren't whistled or booed off at halftime when they were 1-0 down. There were no chance against the players, no chance against the manager. No banners uh, against uh, against him either, so I think the match-going fans are still on board uh, with Jose, and, and and certainly there was still this afterglow of signing Lukaku a year after signing DiBala, and I think there's an acknowledgement that the club is in a lot of financial fair play pain, which you know is kind of down to the spend that they had in the first summer of Mourinho, 110 million net. Uh, they didn't bother trying to recoup any of that money, and now that they, they find themselves sort of straitjacketed in this in this settlement agreement, but I think there's there, there's still this feeling among fans that they're lucky to have Jose. <laughs> He's brought success, and these star players, Dybala and Lukaku, who are stars in Serie A, um, wouldn't come to the club without him. 
But he was still getting slaughtered on the radios right. uh, <laughs> on Saturday. He was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He didn't turn up for the post-game uh, yeah, press that, conference. In, in the press conference room, there there was a lot of kind of grumbling and like, porca miseria, sort of, mm. you know, sort of uh, in, in him not showing. Right. Because there was no reason given. Mm. He doesn't send the Caranca type man. No, usually because they're all suspended. Oh, uh, right. But, um, <laughs> Fair enough. But no, I mean, he, he, he usually gives a reason. Or someone comes in and briefs the reason, which is he was disappointed by the refereeing. Mm. And this time, nothing. 2-1 that game finished. Spinazzola getting one back in the 92nd minute. Milan, that's only the second goal they've conceded so far this season. Pretty perfect start uh, for them. Although they have now lost uh, first place in Serie A on goal difference to Inter. Who they'll be facing next in the derby. Tell us about Inter's performance Sunday against Fiorentina. Yeah, Inter wiped the floor with Fiorentina. Um, they've yet to concede a goal uh, so far this season. Jan Sommer hasn't really had all that much to do. The new goalkeeper came in for Onana. They've been without uh, a Cherby as well. Stefan Di Vrij, who was out in the cold last year, has come back into the centre of defence. has looked really good. The midfield feels like the best in the league, uh, along with Napoli's and Milan's. It certainly played better than Napoli's so You've seen far. it, James. Well, it's just like two number 10s, you know, in, in Chalinolu is, is taking the place of, of Brozovic, as he did for most of last season, Mikitai and Barella. Yet to see their new signing, Davide Fratesi, apart from the odd cameo. Uh, and then Marcus Turan played up front and Turan played very, very well. Um, you know, he, he scored the opening goal, uh, got an assist uh, as well, lovely assist. Can do lots of things, kind of come short, but he's really tall, so he's an aerial threat as well. And this was the first time I think we saw him to try and really exploit that. I certainly feel they can get mismatches on the far post with him and Dumfries because they're both huge. And Lautaro is, I think, probably the best striker in the league. In yeah. his best form, would you say, in Serie A? Five goals in three games now. I think the thing with Lautaro is, uh, over the last three years, people got very excited by Dusan Vlajevic and then been disappointed the following year. People got very excited by Victor Ozyman and might get disappointed this year. Lautaro has been consistent every year and he's had to change strike partner every year and he's still decisive. I think that's a really good quality in a striker to be able to combine with whoever's next to you, whether it's Lukaku, whether it's Dzeko, whether it's Churam, whether it's Arnautovic, whether it's Correa, whoever. I think he's the best striker in the league and... Yeah, it's he, he he deserves more credit. You know, I think uh, if his goals weren't disallowed in that first World Cup game against Saudi, he probably doesn't lose his place. But because he missed those goals were disallowed, because of all the tension and pressure around Argentina, and he kind of loses his place to Julian Alvarez, there is this feeling that nah, nah he's, he can't cut it. He's a top player, Lautaro, and there, there's it's it's a miracle they still have him given the financial pressures that are into under. Uh, other Zlako Markovic says, I'd just like to know if there's been any significant development in the apex height stats in Syria this season compared to last. Not and seen any. Not no, me neither. Yeah. Disappointing. They've clearly been them because you were so negative about James them. was, yeah. That's why they've been the programme as well. <laughs> yeah. well. That was the directive. <laughs> Still no apex word, and no word on that. Oh, no word. No word okay. on that. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm ready. You might yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> you might come back with the apex. Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, if there was a game to come back for, it yeah. would be the Milan Derby. Surely. Yeah. If. If. Uh, Adam Sharp <laughs> says, how has Andrea Pirlo started as Sam Doris gaffer? Sam, you'll recall her down in City B now and also been hit by a two-point penalty for not paying people. 
Yeah, I mean, they won their first game in the cup on penalties against uh, Sud Tirol. Mm. Won their first game uh, against Ternane in Serie B away as well. But since then, they've lost back-to-back games, James. So they lost to Pisa, who were in the playoffs uh, not so long ago. Got quite a lot of backing um, at Pisa by sort of an American-Russian kind of thing. Used to have Giorgio Chiellini's uh, brother be in charge of recruitment. And then Alexander Kolarov came in and realized it's quite a lot of work being a sporting director in a transfer window. I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> and they've Alberto Aquilani is the coach. Uh, Aquilani at Pisa. is at Pisa, mm. where he's had quite a lot of success with Fiorentina's um, under-19s. So Pilo lost to him. And then they played uh, Venezia at the weekend. Everyone's Jules must have like every Venezia shirt. I had one. I had one. Have you? And they took the lead yeah. uh, at home, but they lost. Um, it's Paolo Vanoli's uh, Venezia. Vanoli, who used to work as an assistant for Antonio Conte, who's still on holiday. Um, so it's been a mixed bag, really, for for Pirlo. Excellent. Thank you so much for that uh, comprehensive roundup, James Horncastle. Pleasure. Next up, I feel a little Ligue 1 coming on. Hi, I'm Ayo Akimolere, host of the Athletic Football Podcast. I've just been joined by our Manchester writers to unpick United's dramatic defeat at the Emirates yesterday. What is Eric Ten Hag's big plan? And what's going on with Jadon Sancho? Available now on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. Just search the Athletic Football Podcast now. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Ligon and Jules, this weekend the big game was Leon against PSG. And it didn't go well for the home side. No, no at all, which obviously was, was feared because PSG was looking so good, especially after that last win. And Lyon so bad, that terrible start of the season. This is the worst ever start in their whole history, not just even the last few years or in the Olas era, just ever. Uh, so there was that risk, of course. But when you won, they done after three minutes, two nil done after 20 minutes. Even if Lyon played decent football and they created some good chances, Donnarumma had a really good game. Yeah. So, so they, they were not that bad, but they still lost 4-1. PSG could have scored more, to be mm. fair. Could easily have finished, I don't know, 6-2 or 6-3. But it's one of the most toxic atmospheres I've ever seen in a football game, really. Jean-Michel Olas, who, remember last week I mentioned that the club didn't want him there. He was there in his box, smiling every time PSG was scoring, <laughs> which was incredible to see. It was a game where Bradley Barcola, one of the, the very promising youngsters from the Lyon Academy who left to go to PSG for 50 million euros at the end of the transfer window, made his debut, came on for PSG and 
for the 15 minutes that he played, he was booed every time he touched the ball. But not just that, the 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 Lyon Ultra through the whole 15 minutes sang, you know, Barcola, you know, like F your mum, basically. Literally, you could hear it so loudly, even on television. It mm. was unreal. And then at the end, of course, after the defeat, you knew that the Ultra will have a reaction. They had a few banners saying, especially for Barcola and Lukeba, who left to go to Leipzig, saying that they left the ship when it was sinking and they were, they were crap, basically, turds, uh, to put it nicely. Uh, and then at the end, you knew there would be a response. And it's a response, like I, like I said before, I've never seen before. So what did they do? Well, the capo of the Ultra, uh, the, the Balgon, took the mic. It's a very powerful mic. It's the mic that he uses to start the chanting, like in, like in all our countries. Mm. And addressed the players who were all lining up, facing him and the ultras, like literally on the on the on the edge of the box, basically. And he basically said for a couple of minutes, you know, you are tarnishing the shirt, you're dirtying the shirt. Some great players have worn that shirt, and you're not. Basically, you're not legit to worry. You need to fight. And to be fair, I expected even worse. I expected that he would go even harder on them. And I thought his speech. Whether you think it's acceptable or not, it's another debate. But I thought his speech was actually really good. But I expected the Ultras to be even more angry. Mm. And I think they realized there's still a long, t- a long way to go. They know that Blanc is going to... Paris journalist called Leon Ultras soft. <laughs> <laughs> not soft, because I, I think he picked his words nicely. Right. It's just that the situation is so bad. And yeah. Blanc is going to go and he's not good enough anyway. So I, I, mean, I was expecting something more dramatic, actually. Than, than that when you said that not even in Italy I'm thinking of the times that it's got a lot worse than that in Italy but, but it's just uh, I've never seen literally a whole stadium right. and 22 players plus the staff plus an owner listening to one guy fair, yeah. fair. you know we yeah, see yeah. in Germany or in Italy you go to the Curva and then they, they're shouting at you and they, you throw your shirt they throw it back but one guy with his mic and literally everybody even watching on television we were right. just all Listening, it was it was remarkable. Uh, and yeah. the, play, the players look uh, look like servants as well. Uh, that that was. Uh, I think that they, w- they were too subordinate. I wonder if any player actually didn't want to go there or any player missed that chat. I don't think anyone missed. They had the, they the had. Ultra, the ultras would say the players are they're in their employee. Mm. They pay their wages, and yeah. I mean it's a difficult thing. And the ultra question in every country, it, there are, there are aspects on on both sides. But one thing is that it is one way. Whether it's legitimate because it's not a consensual way because they, they, it tends to be enforced through kind of the threat of violence often, but it is a way for supporters to have a voice, which yeah. is increasingly rare. And the ultras say in every country, you know, the fans will always be there, the players yeah. will leave at some point and will not be there anymore. So in a way, they, that's their voice. And I don't know what effect it will have because it's an international break now. They, they, they're not going to play for another two weeks. The manager is going to change. I don't think he was ever good enough, even if the second half of last season was decent. The recruitment, which is not his fault, was terrible, and that's not helping him. But the results are too bad, like we said, bottom of the table. after It's only four games, I know, but the, the, the issues are deeper than just the four games that we've seen. And whether Marcelo Gallardo comes, Bruno Lage comes, I don't know who they're going to go for. But it would still be a hell of a job. Mm. It would be for anybody, really. And I just think that Larry White probably doesn't want to be there. Right. Uh, okay. So he won't. I don't think he will miss it too much. But it's never okay. nice to be sacked. You described this as the well, the facts point to this being Lyon's worst start ever. How good a start is this? By contrast, for Paris Saint Germain after those initial stumbles, it's much better. The last two games, Lyon and Lens, two big big games, bigger than Lorient and Toulouse, which were they drew 
with Mbappé and Dembélé, as we said last week, makes a huge difference. This team is just, you, look, you, you can tell what Luis Enrique is trying to do and how much they're improving together. Yeah, Fionn Duffield asking, is PSG actually becoming a real team? I think it's a bit early and we will see, especially in the Champions League, we mentioned mm. with James before the show, the, the, the great Did group you? that they have. Are yeah, you excited by that group? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's great. I don't know, they might not make it, of course, they might really? not qualify. I think they will, but it's, it's a tough, tough, tough group. So but Milan the in there, Borussia Dortmund and Newcastle. Yeah, mm. it's going to be very exciting. It's the only really exciting group that we have, to be fair. Do you think? That's why it's great to watch the goal show, because really you can see all the goals without really thinking, is this group any good? Shall I right. watch this game? So goal show is perfect for you this season. And, and it's, it's exciting, but it, so the signs are, even if they consider a lot of chances and, and shots against Lyon, right. that collectively they are stronger than than they used to before. And Luis Enrique, for example, even after the, the third goal, shouted at Donnarumma for not playing out from the back the way he wanted. And you could see going mad on the touchline when his team has just scored the third goal and were 3-0 up. And it was a wonderful third goal as well, collectively. So, yeah, this is Luis Enrique for you. I think that the demands, what he demands from his players is really high. That, mm. that, that's a classic by Luis Enrique. Uh, sometimes he's so strong with his ideas, so adamant, that they think that he doesn't realize that he may debilitate the team a little bit. I remember in the World Cup, Laporte uh, at some point gave a long pass and at, automatically he apologized to Luis Enrique. You know, that, that is the level of focus, attention and demand that Luis Enrique uh, puts on the players. Mm. Now, uh, transfer window ended last Friday and plenty of activity en France. Uh, I see that Randall Colomouane is going to be living in hell from now on, Jules. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, Raf would tell us about the banner from the, the Frankfurt fan who had the play on word with Colo and, and Kohler, which is, which is money in German, I believe. <laughs> um, we didn't think he would go through at the end on Friday, but then there was another twist, like through the whole, this whole saga. He signs, uh, PSG spent 350 million euros. They received 215 for the players that they, that they sold. So it's in the end not too bad right. compared to others, I guess, in terms of net spend. <laughs> um, it's very, I mean, this 115 is, million net spend. I know, but PSG usually buy a lot, but don't sell well. So yeah. at least this time, with the help of their cousins from Saudi, because the, the big chunk of that 215 is Neymar, of course, mm. this, this helped them a lot. Uh, so so Colomani was the latest big one, didn't play against Lyon, but now he's with the national team. and. And that front three of Colomani, Dembele and, and Mbappe on paper suddenly looks really, really good. Who is Colomani's favourite PSG player? Did you see this? No, I didn't see this. I think you'll like this as a Paris brawl and bread. Yeah. Mabadou Sacco. Ah, oh, of course, really? yeah. Of course, of course. It's always good to have Paris brawl and bread. Which I think is kind of suck up kind of messaging, you know, in terms of like... The club wants to present this. We're going back to being very French, very Parisian even. Yeah. And Mamadou kind of embodied those things. Yes, yeah. captain of 17, so, you know, from the academy. So. You know, I mean, he might as well have just said, you know, who's your favourite sort of PSG journalist? Uh, Julien Laurence. <laughs> I think he would and have there you go. That for sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Neymar yeah. doesn't have too many fond memories of Paris. Did you see that? Yeah, I so, saw, yeah, called it hell. Isn't he it? said, uh, yeah. Messi and me, we've been living in hell. We lived yeah. through hell, both yeah. he and I. I mean, I would love a, a hell earning 36 million euros a year. I mean, does it's it make you happy though, money? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 36 million might help you. It might Adam, help you. But yeah. listen, I understand where it's coming from. Right. I think hell might be a bit strong because bit strong. the fans turn up at his house, okay. Uh, he didn't open the door, fair enough. Uh, would you though? <laughs> would you open the door? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. 
it was not easy for, for him and for Messi, I think, for a lot of the players because they got booed once they got knocked out right. the way they did by Bayern who destroyed them. So mm. I don't know what else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, another bit of transfer business. Flo Balogun to yeah. Monaco. Top of the table, Monaco. Amazing Monaco. Amazing Adi Hutter. Really happy at the weekend, the way they beat Lance 3 nil at home with actually a bit of a crowd and an atmosphere too. What? It was still the holiday. So I think maybe after the international break, mid-September, it, it might be different. But this Monaco team... Scoring loads of goals. Yeah, loads of goals for Fana Camara in midfield. Wonderful duo. Minamino revival is... Wonderful to see Golovin with a great goal. They're good on set pieces. They defend strongly. They will be tough. And, and in, in France right now, we're saying that they, they look like the closest, really, to stop. The, the, the only ones, more than Marseille or Lance Lyon that we mentioned, mm. that can, can stop PSG this season. Marseille, who drew 1-1 at Nantes. Monaco, though, is still top of the table. A 3-0 victory over Lance at the weekend. And a Lance side who had beaten them by three-goal margins in both their encounters yeah. last year. Actually, Lynn Tarm, a friend of the podcast, says, I'd like Julian's thoughts on Lance's start to the season and their prospects for the Champions League, where they're in a, a group with, uh, well, Arsenal, that side Sevilla, and PSV. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a tough draw, I think, for them, of course. They were in pot four, so... You kind of almost expect it. Mm. It's been tough. Only one point in those four games, equaling their worst ever starts of a season. They've had tough games, obviously. They had to go to Monaco and to PSG, which is not easy. They were home to Rennes, which which is a tough... They're a good team. Rennes unbeaten as well. Uh, we've got five unbeaten teams so far in the league. So I think the, the start and with the new signings that they made, they lost Seko Fana, the captain who went to Saudi. So I think... We all expected them to need a bit of time. Maybe maybe not to be that bad after four games, but still to, to need a bit of time. They will be good. They will be competitive. They have an amazing fan base. So the away games for the other teams at the Stade Bollard are going to be exceptional. And they have nothing to lose, which is maybe the best thing to have in the Champions League group is that there's no pressure on you. You don't qualify. It's almost normal if you lose in a group like that. If you do finish in the top three, third, you go to Europa League. Top two is even better. So they, they will go for it, but they will be better than what we've seen in the last three games, let's say, of even since the start of the season. Oh. I think that the French side that has a big pressure to qualify for the next round is Marseille. But in the Europa League, they are in the real group of death. Because yeah. they are with Ajax, Brighton and Ajax. Athens, I, yeah. but especially Ajax and Brighton. Yeah, it would yeah. be fascinating. Tough, tough draw for them as well. And to lose with, with Liverpool in the Liverpool yeah. group. So there's a lot of French v English um, encounters, which was going to be great. But yeah, for Marseille, it's a, it's a tough task. Harvest and time for Laurence. <laughs> yeah, before Christmas, you need to, you know, buy presents to all those kids. Uh, so if you still believe in Santa. Just, just on Marseille quickly, because their draw at Nantes was... Yep. An event for the didn't play well. They had a horrible kit. And by the way, the, the kit this weekend, all oh, really? around Europe, mm. between Manchester United, Barcelona playing with a fourth different kit in four games in La Liga, four different color. Marseille with a horrible black and orange one. But that game was was uh, marred, is that what you say? Mm. Marred by incidents in the stands where uh, this family who are from Nantes but supports Marseille had the Marseille shirt, but in a normal stand at the, at the La Bourgeois Stadium were assaulted by some of the non-ultra who were basically the only fault of that family was to be sat literally by the uh, the stand of the ultras. And when Marseille scored and they scored first, 
They got up and celebrated, which the ultras saw because they were so close on the other stands. And despite a fence being between them and the ultras, the ultras are jumping on the fence, spitting at them, throwing beer. The dad had a heart attack, had to be taken to hospital, had another heart attack in the hospital. His poor little boy was crying. The whole family were really in shock. And maybe the worst, in a way, is that the stewards all around them, so the ones in the ultra stand mm. and the other ones, didn't do anything. So they kept abusing them, insulting them, threatening them, and nobody did anything, which is crazy. So there will be repercussions for Nantes, for some of the ultra group, of course. I hope those people will be identified and punished. But yeah, it's another ordeal for that family who just went to a football match to support, okay, albeit the other team in the wrong stand, if you want, maybe, but still, you should not be seeing things like that. Not a crime, is it? All right, Jules. Many thanks for that. Thank you. Uh, next up, let's get some more thoughts on the draws and hear about the Bundesliga. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. Showboat FC says, what are your thoughts on the Champions League draw and who's going to be the surprise qualifier stroke dark horse? Alvaro, have you got a name for us? Maybe Real Sociedad. Real Sociedad. Yeah. Who have they got? Uh, they've got Benfica, Inter and Salzburg. I was checking their history in Europe because I really thought in my mind that Real Sociedad wasn't too good. But I didn't know this, and maybe my parents didn't want to tell me, that they reached the Champions League semi-final or the European Cup semi- uh, semi-final in 82-83, right. the year I was born. No. Uh, yeah, well, that season. And, uh, that yeah. Your parents would have kept that back because of your athletic uh, Yeah, ex- right, exactly. Yeah. So, right. But I was <laughs> telling... Is I w- there other vital information concerning... I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You know, you know someone walked on the moon. No, no, no. no someone I, went to the moon. So, so far, I don't, sometimes I don't make many questions just in case. Right, I don't right. get answers. I don't want to hear. But regarding Real Sociedad, I think that they did very well in the summer considering that David Silva just retired because he broke his ACL. They got themselves uh, Andres Silva to play up front. They've got, in fact, endless options up front. Takekubo. Takekubo yeah. scored the Hebrews this weekend and he's definitely the most lively attacker they've got right now. Oyarzabal, who spent the year out, gave a beautiful assist the other day to Barrenechea, I believe. So it's beautiful to see that he's already creating and um, getting back to his best. And I think Real Sociedad with Tierney and Odriozola uh, playing in, on the sides, on the wings as well, they're going to get some uh, defensive solidity as well. I think that they can make it this time in the Champions League and at least Ooh. go to the knockout. All right, Real Sociedad, 5-3 winners this weekend. Yeah. Very nice. Rafa, anyone, any group or any team that you think uh, deserves our attention? I really, I'm really looking forward to seeing Feyenoord. Um, you know, the Dutch champions, slot one of the most highly rated managers in European football. It'll be his first 
attempt, Santiago Jimenez, who's started really strongly with five goals, the Mexican striker. And a group that um, they're probably only third favourites in terms of name behind Atletico and Lazio. But I think they can actually maybe upset the more blue chip clubs. And mm. of course, Celtic in there as well. Really good group. Very nice. Jules, you've already said that you think Group F is the only special collection. Yeah, it is, but I want to see Union Berlin against yeah. Napoli and, and Real Madrid just to see. I mean, they lost this weekend um, against Leipzig. Rafa will, will talk about it. But, but, Union. But just, yeah, Union. Union, sorry. Union. And just, Union. I just want to see <laughs> Union. Is that okay? <laughs> At least I'm better Thank than Jimbo. Cologne didn't is. qualify. Yeah. <laughs> you can or, go on. Or Bielefeld. Or Bielefeld. <laughs> <laughs> Should do the DFB Pokal. <laughs> That'll be fun. So I want to see them anywhere yeah. um, okay. against Real Madrid and, and Napoli. See if they can. I think they will annoy them. They will, They can cause them problems and all of that. They will be hard to play against. Mm. A lot of attention for. Oh, don't ask, James. No don't James? ask me. It's fine. No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. You sorry. Know, whatever. You started with Alvaro. I was wondering what you know. If Go James on then, James. Let's hear your championship. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to give a shout out to Galatasaray. Nice. nice. Have they signed shout many out. players? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of players. All the players, James. I mean, it just looks quite fun. I mean, we were doing a goal show rehearsal yeah. when they were playing in that playoff against Molder. Oh, yeah. And Icardi scored that over the shoulder volley, oh, which amazing. was amazing. One of the best goals of the yeah. season so far. Yeah. <laughs> Just look at this team. Okay, okay. they've got Mertens and Ikadi who are already there. But then they've got Hakim Ziyech, Wilf Sahar. They've now got Tangi and Dombele. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, the game against Man United, there'll be a lot yeah. of welcome to hell kind of yeah. memories. Are they going to Paris? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're going to Istanbul, to Turk Telecom, as people keep calling it the Ali Samiyen, which it no longer is. No longer. I think it's a completely different site as well. Mm. But um, anyway, I just think, given how United have started the season, mm. I think there could be something something to be said there. Well, talking mean, about Icardi, just yeah. quickly, he apparently bought um, one of three of the new Rolls Royce, the boat tail, which is, will cost you a mere 26 million euros. He bought three of them? No, one, but there's only three in the world. Oh, one see, for right. Jay-Z and Beyonce, one for Mauro Icardi, and one from apparently a, a very rich businessman. And it's, it's one where you've got a, a picnic set in your boot. You press the button and it comes out with a, with a parasol on top. All right. 26 million for the picnic million. set. Yeah. For no, four, it's a four-seater. Right. And obviously the Akali family with Wanda right. and all the kids from obviously all the different families. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them will not make that trip for the picnic. 26 sure. million. Yeah. But if you, if you spend 26 million on a car, I can't believe that the first thing you're going to need is a table to be provided. <laughs> I mean, you right, that's what you want. I mean, that's what they keep saying, 26 million. I find that really, unless they forgot the dot between the two and the six. 2.6 million. Maybe. But I think that makes more sense. But 26, it's a lot of money the, for one car. The I mean, best Lequeep story. It's a lot of week. money for two know, cars, exactly. I would say. Yeah. The, the best Lequeep story this week was the De Laurentiis email. Um, oh, yeah. So. <laughs> so they revealed the, stories, the, the email yeah. correspondence between De Laurentiis and a Saudi Arabian club. I can't yeah. remember which one it was. Uh, negotiating for Victor Ozyman and his reply allegedly was um, 200 million uh, might get you one of Victor's feet um, <laughs> come back next year with 500 million nice. and maybe we'll consider it 
dot maybe. Magnificent. Magnificent. Uh, so, uh, that, yeah, great shout with Galatasaray, and they're in that group with Man United, Copenhagen, and Bayern Munich, who we're going to be talking about very shortly with Raphael Honigstein. Wirtz, Boniface, Boniface, Doppelpack, wieder Doppelpack. Und was mögen die da oben auf der Tribüne denken? Vizekusen war gestern. Diese Mannschaft ist reif. Rafael Honigstein, the high-scoring start to this Bundesliga campaign continued. Exactly 100 goals scored by the 18 clubs in the three matches so far. 11% of them coming from the Bundesliga leaders by Leverkusen. James, yes, they scored another five in their 5-1 win over Darmstadt on Saturday. Uh, Victor Boniface, the Nigerian. Uh, again, two goals from him. The first one, a real beauty, a bit of a solo effort, and then a little dink over Schuhe in goal for Darmstadt. Really, really uh, strong performance from Leverkusen. To be honest, we kind of expected them to make light work out of Darmstadt because Darmstadt are quite vulnerable and Leverkusen are the best team in the Bundesliga so far mm. on the evidence of the first three games. And I think we mentioned it last week, but it's worth mentioning again on Friday... After the international break, Friday the 15th of September, they'll be traveling to Bayern. So it'll be Bayern against Bayer and first against second in the Bundesliga. Big, big game coming up. Absolutely. Uh, Victor Boniface has been the name on everyone's lips in these opening rounds of the season. Uh, Felice right again saying, is he the bargain of the summer? Brackets and Taylor made for a 120 million Chelsea bid in January. Close brackets. Simon, Simon, Simon says, is Boniface better than Ozymen? I don't know if he's better than Ozyman, but mm. he's certainly looked the real deal since coming to Leverkusen. Of course, signed from Union Saint-Gilloise. Uh, really strong player, very good movement, very good finishing, classic number nine. And for some reason, and I think that's what the question is alluding to, perhaps hadn't really been on the radar when it comes to when it came to signing number nines this summer. Um, Leverkusen got him for relatively little money, 20 million euros, with relatively little fuss. And, uh, you know, in a European context where everyone's been looking so hard for number nines, it, it does look like a real bargain and a, and a great piece of business again for Leverkusen. OK, so that's who uh, Bayern, with their makeshift cluster of uh, converted defenders, will be facing Friday week. Uh, Bayern this weekend with a 2-1 victory over Munchen Gladbach. How was that, Raf? It was quite good, actually. Gladbach, the bogey team for Bayern. Uh, lots of really good results against Bayern in recent years, especially at Borussia Park. Uh, took the lead, Itakura, with a header from a corner. But then Bayern found an equaliser. And in the second half, they played a lot better. Tuchel made some really attacking changes. He brought on... Eric Maxim Chupomoting as a second striker. He put Müller through the middle as a third striker. Um, he pushed up the wingers really wide. He had Kimmich just playing as the sole real midfielder. And um, perhaps most importantly, he brought on Connie Leimer, who's a midfielder, but he brought him on as a, as a right back because Nusa Mosrai was close to getting sent off, having been booked. And it really made a big difference. Bayern played with much more tempo and... Gladbach found it just impossible to get out of their own half. And in the end, it was a little bit fortunate the way that Bayern found the winner, Matisse Tell, uh, a fourth striker who was on at that time with a header from a corner. 
Um, a bit of a collector's item, uh, Joshua Kimmich corner that uh, led to a goal because his corners have been <laughs> harshly criticised in recent uh, months for being very ineffective. Bayern were worth their win. And it was an important win because the stuff I talked about earlier, James, with the uh, goings and not comings mm. on, on, on deadline day, if Bayern had not won that game on Saturday then the very open discontent and unhappiness between well, with, on behalf of Thomas Tuchel about uh, his club's failure to land at least two important players would have become a much more explosive, dynamic, um, sort of big issue going, getting into the international break. As it was, people, I think, understand that Tuchel is not happy. They understand that the club pretending everything is fine is, is really just pretense. But the squad looked just about strong enough to deal with it. And of course, with three wins in three, it's easier than to tolerate these um, noises of dissent, if you will. Gotcha. No goal this time for Harry Kane. How, how did he play? He was quite um, quiet. Um, he had only had, I think, 12 touches in the first half. Didn't get too many more in the second. Uh, was taken off with a couple of minutes to go. And it was a difficult game for him because there was no space. And he tried to go wide. He tried to go deep, but then ran into even more traffic as other Bayern players were in the same area. So still another one of those games which shows you that they need to find each other a bit more. But there was nothing wrong with his game. It was just that Bayern had a really hard time getting into the box for most of the game anyway so he suffered as a centre forward accordingly Right Tom writing in saying after watching Kane's first four games I'm nervous he's not cut out for playing in a high possession team against a low block watching this team play with Kane Savar actually makes me realise how good Lewandowski actually was am I wrong says Tom I don't think he's wrong but I think it's a bit too early to make that judgement I think uh, Kane can play in a possession team I think he's he's smart enough he's good enough to be a bit more centred, if you will, to uh, move a little bit less. And as we saw against Bremen, where they played a pretty low block, he did manage to find some some space for important assists and uh, and scoring a goal himself. So I, I don't think that that's going to be that much of an issue. But yes, it's a change for him. It's a change for the team as well. But he knows where the goal is, as we say in Germany. And I think if they'll find him often enough, then they'll mm. find lots of goals as well. We, we have an expression in England. He, he has his shooting boots. On. No, no, <laughs> you, yeah. no. Isn't that a French expression, Jules? <laughs> Le chaussure du frappé. <laughs> the boot. <laughs> uh, Rafi. Yeah. You've had to face this question many times. Whenever a player who's done well in the Bundesliga comes to the Premier League, they talk about the Bundesliga tax. Is Harry yeah. Kane suffering from the Premier League tax yeah. at the moment? Yeah, It's just so much easier to score playing for, for Tottenham under Conte <laughs> and Mourinho <laughs> than in the Bundesliga under, with Bayern. Of course, you'd expect him to struggle a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't think, James, that um, uh, it's going to be too much of an issue for him. If anything... Uh, seeing him against Bremen and talking about uh, playing with a team, he just seemed so happy to actually have wingers, to have um, a number 10 behind him, to have players going forward with the ball. I think we shouldn't underestimate just how much of an appeal that was for him after four years of really dour uh, domestic football, mostly with, with Spurs under, under those two managers. 
And I think he enjoys it even when it doesn't quite work out as it did on Saturday. All right. The team got the win anyway, which is always the most important thing. Uh, Jules wants to see Union Berlin in the Champions League. How did they get on this weekend, Raf? Uh, they actually suffered a real surprise defeat at home. They've been so good at home. But Leipzig came there and beat them 3-0. First home Leipzig... defeat in a year and a half. The Bonucci yeah. effect. The Bonucci effect, but he didn't play, so I don't think we can entirely blame him for this. Um, Kevin Folland was sent off on behalf of uh, Union in his de starting debut, so not a great uh, game for him, of course, of former Monaco fame, and uh, by Leverkusen and elsewhere. So, yeah, it was just one of those games that we saw, in fairness, even last season and the season before, when, when Union don't play well, and it rarely happens... They have a habit of losing quite heavily. There was a 5-0 uh, last year, I remember, and this kind of uh, off day can happen, but it happens so rarely that I don't think anyone's really worried uh, about their, their prospects. And people are incredibly excited to be welcoming uh, Real Madrid and, and, and Napoli, of course. And Braga. And Braga. Mm -hmm. uh, Braga less so because they've played them last year. Oh. Okay. But of course, a right. huge name with a lovely stadium. Lovely stadium. Uh, on three sides, yeah. Yeah. Arby um, Leipzig so, are also in mm -hmm. the Champions League and they've drawn Man City, Young Boys and Svena Svesta. Great group, though. It's a great draw for, for Leipzig. Mm. They're very, very happy. Um, of course, they, they're out Young for... Young Boys have a plastic pitch, though. They want to watch <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a concern. But no, mm. uh, after getting beaten 7-0 in the second leg of the last 16 away to Man City, um, I think that Leipzig will be out for a little bit of revenge. But more importantly, the, the others in the group are of a quality that Leipzig feel huge favourites, even after uh, their depart the departure of those uh, big four names. And I think we should mention them uh, one more time mm. because... It is quite remarkable how well they've started, I think, considering that they've lost Nkunku, Gvardiol, Soboslai and Connie Leimer. But the new players coming in, uh, Xavi Simons especially, the Dutch um, attacking midfielder, have looked really, really good. And uh, it's actually really fun watching this team again. OK. I mean, you mentioned revenge on Man City. Man City seem to play them every year and beat them when it counts every year. Do you see any prospect of RB Leipzig, this RB Leipzig doing this city? It's it's hard. Away from home, uh, Leipzig had some good results and uh, some good performances, even against Man City in recent years. So I think that at home there's a chance, especially if, if City perhaps take the group a little bit easier as you'd expect them to, because uh, it will be easy for them. Um, they often have one or two less convincing performances in the group stage because they know that they will qualify regardless and perhaps the intensity and the perfectionism isn't quite there in those games. So I think Leipzig will will feel that they have a chance of, of beating them at home. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter that much for either side because I think they will both qualify quite comfortably. Okay. Alvaro, did you want to say something or should we go? Uh, no, just very quickly. I mean, Benjamin Sesko uh, oh. is uh, scoring goals for RB Leipzig. And uh, this is not a new player, but Danny Olmo is uh, mm. starting the season very well and his assist on Sesko the other day because I believe that it was uh, a one-two. Yeah. It was one of the goals of the weekend in all Europe. Definitely. Check that out. Yeah, Danny Olmo has been one of the uh, key reasons why Leipzig have started so well. He's uh, really grown into his own, uh, scoring important goals, doing some really good stuff on the ball everywhere, almost on the pitch. And 
uh, perhaps benefiting from a bit more both freedom and responsibility that is now on his shoulders as one of the players who's been around for a few years uh, in a pretty newly designed team. Okay, we're going to be getting on to La Liga very shortly, but Rafa, we have to briefly touch on Dortmund. Who's we talk alarm? about Who's being alarm? in crisis? Who's There's digital watches? Ah, yes. right. It's uh, Alvaro's alarm clock. Okay. Um, Alvaro's <laughs> broken up for the La Liga roundup. Yeah. Yeah. He's back. <laughs> Time for me, Jimbo. Time for me. Okay. Um, Rafa, uh, Alvaro's watch says it's almost Liga o'clock, but uh, if we could just squeeze in a little bit of a question about Borussia Dortmund. We talked last week about them, uh, a crisis not being far away for them. Has it now arrived after their disastrous draw on, on the weekend against Heidenheim? It definitely feels like a crisis, James. Uh, only five points on three games, but more importantly, uh, giving up two points... Um, against Heidenheim when they were beating them or leading 2-0 after 15 minutes and still found a way to only draw and perhaps they should have even lost because Heidenheim had so many chances and Dortmund's game completely broke apart in the second half and uh, the yellow wall had been so supportive of this team when they failed to beat uh, Mainz in the last game of the season and since at this time did not hold back and were very very vocal in their uh, displeasure mm. and there is definitely a bit of a crisis vibe going on a lot of supporters especially on social media criticizing uh, Edin Terzic for not having uh, much of a plan with the ball Dortmund look uh, really bereft of ideas they look as if they don't know what they're supposed to do in possession against uh, defensive teams but I think we also have to look a little bit at the transfer market um, they bought Niklas Füllkrug in the last minute a decent enough centre forward, but where is the stardust? Where is the Jude Bellingham, the Erling Haaland, the Jaden Sancho? You know, where's the the kind of superstar that mm. Dortmund have had in, in recent years? Uh, maybe Jamie Bino Gittens will become one. Maybe Karim Adeyemi in a couple of years' time will be much better, but they're lacking that star power. They're lacking that stardust at the moment, and it's becoming bit stodgy and slodgy at the moment for the Stockholm team. Full Krug, the top scorer in the Bundesliga uh, last season, but not a name with the same uh, panache about it. Uh, Julian Nagsman, that's a big name. That's a, a name with a bit of stardust around it. Is he now getting mentioned in connection with the bench at Borussia Dortmund? He's the phantom menace, um, mm. James, who's been mentioned without really being mentioned, I think. Uh, he is the, the spectre over tears at his shoulder. Right. The problem is that Nagelsmann, I think, is also the phantom menace for Hansi Flick, mm. who's uh, got two games coming up and by popular consent cannot afford to uh, lose both of them, maybe not even one of them, without facing the sack. And Nagelsmann would be the first candidate to take over from him. So he, he won't be able to do both jobs at the same time. And because the Germany FA, German FA job might be more pressing... Mm. Um, I'm not sure it's he is that viable an option. Also, it doesn't strike me as the ideal Dortmund coach. You know, what Tesic has done so well is to understand the Dortmund soul, if you will, to tap into that togetherness that they had last year between the fans, the players, the, the whole club, um, singing from the same hymn sheet quite literally at times. And Nagelsmann is, is not that kind of manager. So doesn't strike me as the most natural contender to take over if and when 
Edin Terzic gets to the X. All right then, Rafa. Very nice. Thank you for that roundup. Alvaro, you're up next with La Liga. What's about time? (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Luca, chuta, Luca! Dos tiempo! Spanish love affair with Jude Bellingham continuing this weekend. His own special song there, celebrating his uh, match-winning goal in Real Madrid's uh, victory uh, this weekend against Getafe. Uh, 2-1 uh, in what was a, a big occasion uh, for the team. What a great start he's had, Alvaro. Five goals. Mm, he's the best scoring debutant in La Liga since uh, Fabregas, uh, which, uh, you know, sometimes goes a little bit overlooked because mm. Fabregas has scored 42 goals in three seasons for Barcelona, not bad for a midfielder. But Jude Bellingham uh, looks set to break that record. And mm. Carlo Ancelotti said after the game that Jude Bellingham should score 15 goals, goals all or more per season. Right. Okay, it was a huge occasion this weekend as Real Madrid yeah. were finally back in the renovated Bernabeu. Do you like the stadium design? What do you think? Uh, well, I, I like it. I think that the fans are very excited. And uh, part of it the... looks a bit Allianz Madrid to me, as opposed to, you know, being it, it. I feel it's lost a bit of its identity, but I don't know what they feel in Madrid. Uh, I think that, uh, generally speaking, they, they are excited. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, the thing is that uh, this is the. Part one of renovations completed. The part two will be done before the 23rd of December, before okay. Christmas. And it uh, has to do with all the commercial things around the ground and all that. So, you know, uh, they are getting there. And uh, Real Madrid was playing the first game uh, at home since last season. They beat Getafe, as you said, with the goal of Duke Bellingham. Um, this time he scored the goal a la Raul, if you like, just uh, making sure that he capitalized on the David Soria, uh, the goalkeeper, the excellent goalkeeper of Getafe, not being able to uh, get the ball in the first place. And, uh, you know, it's all love uh, for uh, Jude Bellingham right now. He's uh, in this... In this phase of uh, soft uh, romance with Real Madrid press as well, mm. I went to Marca right now out of curiosity. I press Control F um, in the Real Madrid section of the website. The name of Jude Bellingham is in eight headlines. I mean, they are all talking about him. Uh, and also in Twitter, if you go there, for example, there are some um, funny videos of uh, Jude Bellingham doing like a torero move. Ah, yeah. And uh, also just uh, press for Jude Bellingham for. You know, not uh, showing who is boss to one the Getafe player who was getting physical with him as well. So Jude Bellingham is in this phase right now and he's playing football very well. And Real Madrid is stopping the table with 12 points. So, you know, it's been a very good start for him. And Jose Lu also scored for Real Madrid the other day in the absence of Vinicius. You know, Real Madrid found new scorers. It was, it was an easy. This Getafe side drew with Barcelona three weeks ago and Real Madrid managed to beat them. It was a little bit scruffy, but uh, three points at the end of the day. Madrid top of the table, two points behind them, Barcelona and Girona. Yeah, they are 
so far, uh, really good. Uh, one of the, enter the entertainers of last season, yeah. uh, Girona, conceding many goals, but scoring many as well. They just yeah. got one this weekend. Well, yeah, but they have changed a little bit the style. Right. I think that, you know, this is their second season after they got promoted. Mm. Uh, and you can see that uh, they consider themselves a top flight team and the way they play. And I think that their uh, mentality is, is more robust as mm. well. Uh, on top of that, they have been clever enough to get themselves a very, very good player uh, in the transfer deadline day, which is Porto. Uh, he was playing for Getafe. He didn't score a single league goal for Getafe in 40 games, but uh, he was fantastic for Real Sociedad. He was very good for Girona at the time. Uh, what, what position is he? Uh, he is a right winger. Uh -huh. uh, he can play as a forward in every position, really. Maybe not as a number nine because he's short, but on the left, on the right, even as an attacking midfielder, he's very, very good. And uh, he scored the goal for uh, Girona. That was a lovely, lovely comeback for him. And uh, they are doing the job so far. I mean, last season, uh, Girona, as I said before, they were conceding goals and sometimes they were letting the game uh, run out uh, or run away from their hands. But this mm. time, it's, it looks like they are more composed and they've got more control. And despite having lost Oriol Romeu, one of the good players they had in midfield, they have been able to get themselves, you know, good players. Eric Garcia is also there. He was on the bench the other day on loan from Barcelona. So the future looks bright for them. Okay. What does the future look like then for the other team, uh, uh, level on points for them? Barcelona, uh, who have that refereeing scandal back in the headlines. You, you recall that uh, earlier this year, it emerged that Barcelona paid over 7 million euros between 2001 and 2018 to the vice president of uh, Spain's football refereeing committee. And the civil guard, uh, this uh, in, uh, reported in El Mundo at the end of the last week, announcing that essentially, yeah, there is a case to answer that the refereeing organization was not impartial in, in that yeah. time. Let's see how it goes, uh, because there is a judge investigating all this and he has uh, found uh, enough evidence to think that there was a systemic corruption in La Liga and that the rest of the clubs have been uh, affected by um, the favours that Barcelona might have gotten. This is still very early doors. UEFA also in, in, launched an inquiry now. Well, uh, as far as I know, Zeferin said last year in mm. June that uh, it didn't look good and that they were going to investigate it. Uh, Barcelona uh, wasn't uh, banned from the Champions League for this season, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't be banned for the Champions League the next season. So this thing is ongoing and we're going to talk about it during the week. I think that the developments are still not big enough maybe to make a big uh, uh, announcements right now or big headlines, okay. but the truth is that this is ongoing for sure. All right, and not a good time for them to be winning matches with a soft penalty as they did this weekend against Osasuna. It was very soft. I believe that Lewandowski was never going to get that ball because he miscontrolled it a little bit or his chest control uh, sent the ball too far away from him. But, uh, you know, uh, at the end he got the penalty and uh, the decision was controversial definitely some people may say it was a penalty for me it was soft but uh, what was a little bit more ridiculous was Catena's red card I know that uh, you know uh, he was the last man and all that but it was a very dubious penalty I don't think that Catena really wanted to throw on the floor uh, Robert Lewandowski just if anything uh, he wanted to make it difficult for him to get the ball but mm. not in a nasty way and he got a red card Osasuna what a game by the way against Barcelona because uh, we have to remember that uh, 72 hours before they were playing for their lives in the Conference League playoffs against Bruce, they, play, uh, they, they got knocked out, by the way. And against Barcelona, they played with nine or eight different uh, players in the starting lineup. 
to to the team that they filled on Thursday and they were still very competitive with Chimi Avila scoring a beautiful goal this Argentinian player when he scores he only scores beautiful goals and uh, for a while Barcelona was uh, incapable of uh, uh, getting the three points but at the end they did and uh, you know it was important for them because Real Madrid looks very strong this season and uh, Barcelona has 10 points so the start of the season hasn't been bad for them mm. at least uh, from the points perspective okay uh, how does it look from the Champions League draw perspective? They are in Group H alongside Porto, Shakhtar Donetsk, who will be playing in Hamburg, and Royal Antwerp, who make their uh, debut in this competition, first time in the European Cup in 66 years. Well, I think Barcelona has been lucky, uh, definitely for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, Barcelona needs uh, strong performances in Europe to justify you know, all the levers, uh, all the investment they did, especially last season. I think this summer they have been very clever with Joe Cancelo and Joe Felix uh, having their mm. debut this weekend against Osasuna, both on loan, but still they're going to improve the squad, that's for sure. And um, this uh, year Barcelona cannot afford in any possible way reputational, financial, sports uh, perspective not to qualify for the next round of the, of the Champions League. They have been lucky. Last season they were in the same uh, group with Benfica uh, sorry, with Inter and Bayern two mm. years ago with Bayern and Benfica. This time I believe that they have a chance to, you know, not only uh, win games but also cash a lot of money from the Champions League, at least in the group stage, because you know how it is with the price and reward or the reward if you win games. Barcelona needs all that. Excellent. It, they do look like really good signings, or at least on loan, uh, yeah. Cancelo and Jao Felix, no? Well, yeah, I think so. And uh, Ilkay Gundogan, of course, it was a clever signing. He got his uh, uh, starting for Barcelona. I think that uh, one of the big players that is coming up is Victor Roque. Uh, we haven't spoken about him a lot because he's still in Brazil, a little bit like Real Madrid is doing with Hendrik, another youngster that they have bought, and he's still there in Brazil. Barcelona might uh, bring uh, to the team Victor Roque in uh, January. And if you speak to Brazilian journalists, they will tell you that he's a very good footballer. The question is, can you afford the full football season with only one number nine in the squad and that number nine being 35 years old? So if Victor Roque arrives, I think that uh, it's going to be a very clever addition for Barcelona for the second half of the season. Excellent. Uh, last week, you were telling us all about uh, Chris Finch, a.k.a. Luis Rubiales. Yeah. Is he... A, is he still uh, president of the uh, Spanish FA? Yes. How's his mum doing? And here, a question from Sasso Hayano who says, will Spain's women be able to field a team? They've got a, a fixture coming up on the 22nd of September, so not long from now. They're going to be away to Sweden. And if so, who will play? Because how many players have, the, said, have declared that they're not going near... I, 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 cannot, I cannot tell you the numbers, but it's 15 uh, that didn't feature sure. in the World Cup, plus uh, many more that they don't want to play anymore under Jorge Vilda. Uh, mm. Jorge Vilda has to go. Jorge Vilda has to go. He cannot stay. And by the way, the male players, the men's, uh, yesterday were in front of the press. Uh, Alvaro Morata wrote a statement written by all the players in mm. consensus, uh, just condemning somehow what Rubiales did but in my opinion it came a little bit too late right it was also filtered through the federation I think they had a hand yeah. in the wording uh, number one I think that between the players there were many discrepancies because some players wanted to um, send out a stronger uh, statement some others a softer one you know, uh, finally they found an agreement and then the Spanish FA, you know, looked at it and all that. So, you know, maybe the players had to do it. But as I said before, the real brave players were the likes of Borja Iglesias, for example, who said literally, I'm not playing for Spain until this situation doesn't change. And Rubiales, let's not forget, he is still the president because he hasn't resigned. 
Uh, one last thing to, uh, to to touch on, which has just happened as we record, and it, it is a departure at Villarreal. Kike Setien is no more. Yeah, exactly. He's been sacked. It's incredible uh, that Kike Setien, after his third game at Villarreal, uh, was already at the brink of being sacked. That was back in October. And now, a year after he was appointed, when Unai Emery left to Aston Villa, you know, he is out of the club. The truth is that Villarreal didn't look good. They have lost uh, important players in defense. I believe that uh, Chukwese, Jackson are footballers that they are missing too. The signings are not too sure about them, like uh, Ben Brennett on Diaz being one of them. Mm. But uh, this is the end of Kike Setien at Villarreal. He lost at Cadiz this weekend, despite starting winning that game 3-1 against Cadiz. You know, it's something that maybe Kike Setien uh, cannot afford right now, as you can see. And Villarreal will have to be very careful about finding the next manager because normally they find very good managers and I believe that this time they really need one there you go excellent thank you so much Alvaro thank you uh, we'll take a break from the club stuff for the internationals which we'll be touching on in Thursday's Totally Football Show and next Monday but no Euro edition on the Tuesday uh, this returns in a fortnight's time today many thanks to Alvaro James Rafa and Julien and producer Charlie, and you listener, do join us as a say for Thursday and Monday's uh, editions to keep up with how the various nations are, are getting on. And have yourself a great time in the meanwhile from all of us here. It's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic.